So what has been proposed by different researchers and uh, policymakers is that within each member state of the EU, there will be a government coordinating mechanism that will bring migrants into the currently existing entrepreneurial ecosystem and enable migrants to have access to the same resources that that nationals would have. So this will facilitate some elements of their challenges and, and address some of the needs, but it will not address all of them. Welcome to the Eliamep podcast series. I want to welcome in this podcast two women that from a different place have experienced what it means to be a migrant woman. Sherry Novak, she's a research associate in Eliamep, and Safi Kias, a woman that crossed mountains and the sea to come to Europe and Greece. Thank you very much for finding the time to have this discussion, Cheryl and Safi. And I want to begin my first question with uh, Cheryl. Uh, you have worked with migrant women to improve their integration outcomes through uh, entrepreneurship. Do men and women migrants have different socioeconomic integration outcomes in the EU? Cheryl? Thank you, first of all, for, for inviting me today and giving me the opportunity to speak a little bit about uh, my work and, and some findings. So the idea of creating an additional pathway towards the socioeconomic integration of migrant women in the EU through entrepreneurship, it, this is premised upon independent and EU-funded research that clearly shows that migrant women have significantly lower integration outcomes than their male counterparts. Uh, and this is attributed to, to many different reasons, keeping in mind that migrant women in the EU and Greece They have diverse backgrounds and skill sets. They also face additional gender-related obstacles, such as what we would consider an unequal division of labor at home, or they may have come to Europe as single mothers. And some have also been, unfortunately, victims of gender-based violence and abuse uh, by the time they come to Greece. And this necessitates an additional and different forms of support. So as a result of these very complex challenges, And it's often difficult for migrant females to access the workplace. So the idea of supporting them through entrepreneurship, it's to provide yet another pathway that may enable some women to have a better work-life balance and also capitalize on their unique skill sets or even language skills. Admittedly, however, this is a difficult one. Safi, could you share your personal experience of how you came to Greece? How was it for you? In generally, I want to say this first. Uh, thank you so much uh, to, for inviting me in this podcast to share my experience about how I faced with uh, all of the problem uh, in moving. I born as a migrant, generally, and I'm from Tajikistan, and my grandparents from Tajikistan, they came in a Afghanistan, and then I born in Afghanistan, and then after we came in Iran. And after many years, uh, when, it, when we were living in Iran, and we didn't find, we couldn't make home for ourselves. That's why all the time we were looking for a house. That's why we decided to come to Europe. We walked from Iran to Turkey, to the mountain, and uh, and then after, uh, 
and from Turkey to Lesbos, we uh, took a boat. And then we came with the boat. We were almost 40 people inside the boat. And we arrived in Lesbos. Yes, you arrived in, in Lesbos, the Greek island. In a Moria camp. I don't want to say camp. I think uh, uh, we can call it jail, you know? It wasn't like a camp. Because everything, it wasn't uh, our choice. For example, the food, uh, security for women, uh, prison food. And then after after two weeks, when when I saw all of this problem, and... My family, me and my family, we decided to do some demonstration, some protest. And uh, for three months, we were doing that. And then we we get inside the government office. And then after that, they, they gave us some paper to leave Lesbos. And then we came in Athens. We were living in a squad uh, in and uh, in this squad, uh, almost 400 people, we were living together. Well, uh, I don't think that we made you feel um, uh, very welcome. We know what happened and how was uh, Moria. Um, how difficult was it for you to attain uh, asylum, um, Shafi? Um, after you came to Athens, your living conditions were again very difficult Mm -hmm. and uh, how was it for you could you uh, get your asylum um to be honest i was so lucky because my the process of my uh getting asylum for example to to accept as a immigrant or refugee it was it was quick but uh to take the uh for example and doc, uh, your document, it takes a lot of time. And uh, you have to wait uh, wh- at least one year to take it. But yeah, it's it, for me it was uh, easy, but for uh, I, th- I don't think so for uh, everybody it will be, it was with, like, like, like me, you know? Yeah, I understand. I completely yeah. understand that the situation is very difficult to get the asylum. Yeah, but we should not uh, forget that at the time we came, it was so nice and better than, it wasn't so nice, I don't want to say this, but but the, the, the process uh, was better than now. It was more easy. Yes, because you could come to Greece. Uh, they let you come to Greece, even if uh, your first impression was Moria, but you were able to come to Greece, to Europe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I just want to add this one. No one going to leave the, uh, their security place. I mean, security means uh, they know the, 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 the community. They know how to speak. They know where they can go, the culture, everything. They, nobody want to leave this safety or this uh, security and to come in some, uh, some country they don't know the culture, they don't know the, the language, they don't know anything. 
they they have to because uh, of the the situation they already suffer a lot of things you know all of the people that are coming uh, in europe they they already suffer a lot of and this this was the reason they are coming and they they, they are coming or they came Uh, Cheryl, uh, we heard what uh, Safi uh, said about the boat and arriving in, in Lesbos, and we witnessed um, the tragic shipwreck in Pilos with more than 600 dead. And unfortunately, not even one woman was rescued. Um, what do you believe led to this calamity that again impacted women more than men? And as uh, anyone who's, who's following this tragic event realizes that it Still, there are various media reports and they're trying to illuminate exactly what had transpired. Um, and we're still waiting for some fuller, more extensive queries that are they're still being worked on. So I would like to be a bit cautious in drawing conclusions. Uh, but I think that there, your question highlights two key points that I would like to touch upon. It, one element has to do with the specific event in the location of the women on the boat. It, according to different reports, which have been corroborated by some of the survivors, um, and which has also been highlighted by a New York Times investigation, it seems that the ship had three levels. And these levels were divided by class and gender. Um, the women, along with the children, they were not in the bottom of the ship, but they were on the second level. So as a result, it was unfortunately impossible for even a single woman or child to escape when the boat listed and suddenly capsized during the night. Uh, so that is the information we have at this point, which is a specific explanation of why not even a single woman uh, was able to be rescued. The greater The greater picture, though, and the issues which have been discussed by researchers and policymakers and which Shafi touches upon in her explanation of of why she went through everything she went through to come to Europe, uh, unfortunately, still have not been effectively addressed uh, on an EU policy level. And they're still being discussed. And this is, you know, why do women and children, despite the significant risks and loss of life that they could encounter on the journey and the very difficult situations that they face when they actually arrive to Europe, why do they continue to migrate through irregular channels? Uh, and what can we do to, to protect them either along this journey or to create uh, a, safer, a safer pathway for them leaving their countries of origin? Unfortunately, this is still not appropriately addressed on an EU level. No, because I, I I believe that the plan is not to have migrants and refugees. Actually, I I think that the whole plan is uh, um, is he heading towards that direction. So everything else um, is not so important for the EU or for some countries of the EU. That's my feeling. Seeing and the new plan for migration and asylum. There no. is yeah. yes, it's I I would have to say that your your conclusion does reflect a a change in overall policy approaches in the EU. Right now, a lot of the approaches are focusing on deterrence. So rightfully so, it's how can we make situations very difficult so it is harder for migrants to come. It, there is a lot of fear-based policy making. 
and politicians are are embracing the feelings of their populace, which went from a further left approach to we're moving towards the right. And we see this through rhetoric of of different European leaders. And and of course, this makes it very difficult of of refugees and legitimate asylum seekers to actually be protected effectively within the European context. So looking at the human rights filter, we have uh, a lot of work to do. Um, But unfortunately, the EU is also losing out on key growth drivers. We see in, in other places in the world, migrants are a source of economic growth and inclusivity. So this is also another negative uh, impact from current EU policy on migration. Now, um, Shafi, what additional challenges did you face as a woman migrant? If I say I didn't have uh, any challenge as a woman because I I didn't have, uh, I didn't marry, I don't have children. And this was uh, one of my uh, good options. Uh, uh, to to live in Athens. Also, I'm a very, I think, lucky to have some skill. And uh, everyone is not like me to have this skill and, and they have different kind of uh, skill. You've, you have been trained in, uh, in chewing and you've had your own uh, fashion show. That's what you mean by a skill that, uh, that helps you. Yeah, it it helped me a lot, but you know, because my my, my job is um, in a society, they accepted the woman's job, you know, as a woman's job, and the, that was for me uh, more easy to, to do something. But other uh, women, they have a different kind of stuff, you know, and then the different skill, different job, uh, but. They have a lot of challenge and then problem, definitely. When they want to start, because I know uh, some of the women, they struggle a lot, do something to make money, to support their family. To Was it your original intention to stay in Greece? You want to stay in Greece? Or are you thinking that maybe things will be easier if you move to Germany or another country? In the beginning, I don't wanted to stay here because I didn't mention this, because you're an immigrant from Tajikistan. And so far, uh, all the time, we start our life many times from zero. When we were in Iran also, and three times they evict us to the Afghanistan and then we came back and then we start again and again. And then it was so tiring for me. I, I had a lot of experience like that. And then I, I it was so hard for me because I already, uh, I start my network, my society, my community, you know. I built these things. I didn't start my business yet, but I built my network and then my community. But my family, they're not here. They already left two years ago. And I'm still here. Also, uh, the people from Greece, 
And to be honest, they support me a lot. And I found it very nice. They're very warm people and then very supportive. You have been trained, as we said, in sewing. We have had your own fashion show appeared in Vogue. And you are now working for Apple TV. Do yeah. you believe that you bring something unique and different to the Greek market? In Athens, uh, since I think 10, 10 years, from 10 years ago, uh, so far, it's changed a lot. It's a kind of multicultural and international uh, place. For example, the, uh, 10 years ago, Israeli or Apple, they never make uh, anything uh, to collaborate with the Greeks. But now you can see it, for example, Cherry from uh, Cherry from US and then uh, most of my friends are from UK and I think it's a good place for bringing something but the only things I can say that uh, because I'm sharing my my knowledge with the people like uh, I'm teaching the skill I have but with uh, some women maybe they could uh, They could do something. They can. Make, they could make some, for example, to support their family, to make their own things. You know, at least if you, if they cannot work on this, at least they can make something for themselves. Well, um, Cheryl, do you believe that um, entrepreneurship is truly an integration tool for migrant women? And can you explain a little bit how it works? So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, entrepreneurship is indeed a tool, but it's very difficult. It, this is not only on account of the additional challenges that migrants face, and particularly migrant women, but this is also due to the fact that in general, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Europe is underdeveloped compared to other parts of the world. And even European women have lower entrepreneurship rates than, than women in other parts of the world. This is, however, slowly changing in, on account of bureaucracy, for example. They struggle with basic issues such as getting and renewing residency permits, opening bank accounts, and, and other issues that are, that are technical bureaucratic issues linked to this documentation. And all of these are essential for starting a business. And the final challenge, which it applies to most European contexts, is the lack of accessibility to financing mechanisms. So this is a problem, not only in Greece, in Europe uh, as well, because Migrants are a great source of economic growth in many countries. In Europe, it has not developed a mechanism to tap into this potential. And as a result, the issues of access to financing, it's something that is currently being examined and considered very carefully by the European Investment Bank. And hopefully over the next few years, there will be more targeted financing mechanisms uh, that have been tailor-made for migrant entrepreneurs. Before I go to Shafia, I want you to explain to us uh, how things work in Greece if, and if things are more difficult in Greece than it will be if someone is in Germany or um, in Sweden. Okay, so so based on, on, on some research that was conducted across 
seven European countries, we see that in general migrants to a greater or lesser degree all face similar challenges. And the first layer is bureaucratic. Uh, the second level of challenges that are faced, but this is can be to a lesser degree in other European countries, um, is the development of language skills. So many aspiring migrant entrepreneurs express that they need support with language skills and also uh, business related uh, terminology. Uh, in Greece, this is a, it can be a little bit more difficult than it is in other countries that have a highly sophisticated uh, coordinating mechanism to support the integration of migrants. Uh, for example, in Germany, this is a state-sponsored approach. So you also don't have the, the challenges that exist within within the Greek ecosystem, where a lot of these services are supplied or they're provided by nonprofit organizations, which apply for EU funding. They have funding for a little while. When the funding runs out, these services are no longer available. So what has been proposed by different researchers and uh, policymakers is that within each member state of the EU, there will be a government coordinating mechanism that will bring migrants into the currently existing entrepreneurial ecosystem and enable migrants to have access to the same resources that, that nationals would have. So this will facilitate some elements of their challenges and, and address some of the needs, but it will not address all of them. Well, listening to uh, to Cheryl Shafi, uh, what could you say uh, what would you change in the asylum process here in Greece? What would you may, um, how would you do different things here? If it goes up to you, if it's, uh, it's up to me, I will I will close all of the camp. the The camp is for me is like uh, you are putting the people inside the jail, and then they are not cr- criminal, and then they are living like a criminal. And then I will I will change this uh, place because already the people they uh, they they have a lot of uh, things in their mind and in their life so many problems so many issue and then when they get inside a camp they uh, mentally they will they will completely be uh, you know they will become crazy. But people in the Europe, they don't know about all of these problems uh, people when they are living in uh, camp. The people living in camp are in the end, when you, they get out and then they, they after I don't know how many years, and they had their own, um, you know, safety or privacy or something like this. After that, they have to find the uh, psychologist to talk about all of the issue, all of the problem and mental problem they had it from the camp. And then also the process of the asylum, for example, and when you want to renew, renew your ID, you have to, or password doesn't matter, you have to wait to take it one year after. It uh, it doesn't end the process. It's so so hard and it's so long. And then 
it's frustrating. This too, the issue, if, if it was, it's up to me, I will change it. I, I, I definitely do that. You said that uh, your parents have left Greece. Where are they now? They are living in Germany. And is their experience there better than Greece? Is Germany more organized and more welcoming? Uh, to be honest, uh, everywhere where you go, there is a process you have to uh, you have to pass it. Uh, but in Greece, it's uh, it's longer than Germany. It uh, for my family, as I uh, heard from them, it wasn't so hard. But in Greece, it, it takes a lot of time for us to take uh, our document. Uh, Shafi, if uh, you would uh, give an advice to other migrant women that uh, are thinking about crossing the GNC and coming to Europe, um, what would you say to them? How? What advice would you give them? First of all, I want to say tailoring is not a very specific job and then to become something or to do it. But because I had a goal, and then that, that goal uh, give me the direction and then go forward and then do more stuff. And then I didn't give up and all the time, because uh, the, I, I remember my first collection when I did it, uh, because I, I promised to myself I should do that. And, Every, every single night I I was I was thinking how I, I can do it because the situation I was and I didn't have money, I I didn't have any support, I it was completely me. And then some of my friends, for example uh, uh, for example Dila and, and Dila helped me a lot to do my stuff to, to you know to uh, to make it true. But when I was doing this stuff, I was crying because I had a goal. As I mentioned it, for example, tailoring is not a very specific, uh, but I did it. Uh, the most important, they, they should have a goal. I believe because energy and then karma, they will show us the direction. The most important is to have a goal. So Shafi, you never regretted that you left Iran, that... You decided not, to make that difficult journey. Not at all. I'm so happy I did this because when I was in Iran, I I never had a good experience there. Uh, in Iran, as a living as an immigrant is the worst worst things, uh, because you don't you don't have a right to go to the university to uh, to buy the house to. Uh, even you cannot uh, have a motorbike, you cannot have a, uh, cars uh, on your name. You have some Iranian guy can do this for you to, on their name. And also, you never, you never uh, open your own shop. You can't because you're, it's, a, it's forbidden for an immigrant to open a shop in Iran. You have to work uh, for them. That's why I'm so happy I did this. I, it was a very risky and then very hard and then, uh, but I'm so happy I did it. Cheryl, 
After all the research that you have done, have you fully understood the real demands and needs of migrant women regarding entrepreneurship? What should be done so that things will be easier for them? Yeah. And for well, us, yeah. because we will gain from all of that. You you said that from the beginning, because it will be also uh, something that we gain as, as a society. Um, yes, so there, um, there are multiple research projects that have corroborated the, the same information. Um, and what, what is interesting is that you see that many of the demands of, of migrant women for entrepreneurial support services, at least within the, the context of Greece, they're very similar to the demands of Greek nationals. And the level of development of a country's entrepreneurial system has a very large impact um, on, on how successful or what, what the opportunities are. But in terms of migrants, the additional challenge um, is overall is related to the level of inclusiveness in the provision of services. So throughout Europe, these services that I mentioned before, they traditionally target European nationals They're done in their country's language, and they use channels and means that are very familiar to nationals. This makes it very difficult for migrants that might not know the system, that might not speak the language, to access these services. And they're also, in many cases, not available even in the English language. And to end on a, on a positive note, I would like to highlight that through the research, we do see different areas of Europe that are experimenting with the idea that entrepreneurship, if supported appropriately, can be a pathway for socioeconomic integration, and also it can be an opportunity for growth. So within the region of Seville in Spain, they've come up with an interesting approach that actually offers a speedy residency permitting process for migrants that want to open their own businesses. So if you're a migrant that shows up in this area and you you are keen on opening your own business, it will actually be faster for you to get a residency permit and you'll be facilitated even through the renewal process um, as opposed to a migrant who is looking to become an employee, for example. And they've developed some mechanisms that also facilitate in matching them with financing which I mentioned earlier is another key problem. So if we take a look at some of these cases and the outcomes and the level of integration, um, how it has improved and how it has actually come up with innovative business ideas leading to economic growth and improving inclusiveness and integration, um, these are some of the best case practices that, that we can learn from and that could be applied to different contexts. Shafi, what are your plans? If I may ask, what do you want to happen in the next year in your life? Definitely, there is an, a new collection. It will happen. And because I'm already uh, working on it. And then I, uh, I will try to set up my business. Just want to add something about the, you asked me, the process of the asylum. What do you want to change? Uh, if you, it's up to me, can I? Yes, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I just want to say because the process is too long, and then when you get uh, your asylum, and then after that you have to uh, 
you have to find a house, you have to find a job. All of this, it, it's, a, it's up to the document you should have. Because if you don't have that one, nobody gives you uh, the house for rent. No one hires you for the, the job as well. This is the, the, the worst part of the process. Until when you get it, you have to wait it. Because one of my friends, he's run away and, uh, his ID, and then now he cannot apply for any job. And he should wait until when he get it. So in the meantime, he cannot do anything? No. He's in limbo. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because everybody, every, every place is, they are asking for a new ID. The, it, it's in the process, you know? To have his new ID, but if that take two, three, four months? Uh, no, after, uh, for example, when I did it, it, it took, uh, took it uh, one year for me to get it uh, back. Exactly one year. And in that one year, you cannot do anything. Exactly. Exactly. You cannot do anything. You cannot apply for any job. You cannot uh, rent a house. You cannot nothing. So what did you do? You stayed in the camp? You stayed by friends? No, I'm living uh, in a house. I'm living by myself. Well, I, I want to thank you both very, very much for having this uh, discussion, which showed us how things work and the things that must definitely change. Um, Shafi, thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. Um, Shelly, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience with us and your research. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much also for having me. And, and thank you, Shari, as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shafi. It was a pleasure to hear from you again. And thank you, Odin. Thank you. This was another Eliamep podcast with Odin Linardatu. Recording, editing and sound editing by Petros Karpathiou. Follow us on the Eliamep channels on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and elsewhere.